Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk podcast. We're continuing our episodes on Acts 14. Edwin, what is our text today? Today we're going to be reading verses 19 through 23. I am again reading from the English Standard Version. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. We only have 15 minutes. We can't talk about everything. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about here, though. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, if, if um, and we have new listeners all the time, I'm sure we'd love to hear what you're reading. You can send us an email, texttalk at christiansbeinghere.org. Um, but for those that listened to yesterday's episode, what a shift. We were reading yesterday about the whole town of Lystra is trying to make out like Paul and Barnabas are Greek gods come among us. Let's worship them. And now the same folks actually achieve a stoning stone Paul, leave him for dead. I mean, they mob execute this guy. Uh, this this is a 180 from even what we were reading a verse ago. Yeah, they think he's dead. They they think they've stoned him. They, it, I I yeah, noticed. I think this, dead. I think this is the first time. I haven't looked this up to see what the what the order is in in the original. But at least in my English version, they stone him, then they drag him out of the city, supposing that he's dead. dead. In other words, they thought he was dead. They grab him by the right. foot, pull him out of the city, <laughs> and leave him outside the gates because they think they've killed him. Which tells you he was in a bad way. Well, you know, before I get into some of the things I wanted to talk about from this, I think that's important. It, what Was he dead and resurrected? I, I don't know. But whether he was dead and resurrected or whether he was just really bad off, this is when they think you're dead, it's not something you just get up and walk off. It's not something you just get up and the next day walk to the next town. You know, if, if this is yeah. the thing, we have thrown stones at you for so long and so hard that we're able to drag you out of the town thinking you're dead. Whether this is resurrection or not, I think this is something miraculous that's happening to Paul after this stoning is done. I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Something miraculous is going on here. Um, I, I tell you, the other thing is in verse 20, I'm surprised when he did get up the direction he walked because it says he walked back, <laughs> back into, into the city. So they drug him out of there and he walked back in. Now, they did leave the next day. Yeah. But wow. But, you know, they, they thought they'd killed him. They did not all start following around and trying to worship him again. No, they did not. Even though this would have been a really profound sign. So I know we're going to be talking about in this program the growing persecution. And uh, that's quite a way to touch it off, to show a stoning and he's left for dead. 
Um, what is the source of this persecution? How do we go from a town that wants to call you a god? And they clarified that. They didn't for a second go along with it. But just from the perspective of the people, how do you go from a town that was calling you a god and now they're going to kill you and drag you out of their town? It says at the beginning of our today's reading that Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Remember, as they've been going on this missionary journey, there was that sermon that we saw in Antioch of Pisidia. That's right. We got. <clears throat> I'm not sure if we've pointed out on this uh, on, on any of these broadcasts that there are two Antiochs. There's the Syrian Antioch where this whole thing began, and they're going to get back to that. But after they went through Cyprus and they, they got into the Asian regions, right. th- that's Antioch of Pisidia. No, that's a good distinction. That's smart. I feel like that's something I said. Did you? You might have. Uh, <laughs> how, how many weeks ago has it been? It seems like something I would have said. <laughs> well, you would have said. <laughs> I'm glad you remi- said it. It's Thank good you. To I just remind. wanted to remind people that Andrew pointed out to you two different Antiochs. So this is Antioch of Pisidia, and then now at Antioch of Pisidia they preach the lesson, and then the the right. Jews get upset as the Gentiles start responding to it more. Yeah, yeah. But we don't see, at least in the recording, any violence. But they're pushing back, pushing back until to a point that Paul and Barnabas say, "Well, it's time for us to get to the next city." Yeah, and true. so they get Go to, to Icon- Iconium, Iconium, and at Iconium they start getting pushed back, and then the threat. Of an assassina- assassination attempt. It's uncovered. And they leave before it takes place. Now they get to Lystra. Of course, initially, they want to be the, the people want to worship them. But now it's not just, oh, they're really pushing back hard. It's not just, oh, we found out they want to stone Paul. They actually, this time, pull it off. So people are traveling. I mean, there, there are apparently some, some, um, some Jewish guys from back at Antioch of Pisidia who said, you know what, I got nothing better to do. I'm going to hit the road, I'm going to be behind these guys, and I'm going to be causing trouble for these guys. I mean, they, they've made it their, they've made it their cause. I, and it kind of reminds me of a fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsus, <laughs> who takes it upon himself to go get letters from a Jerusalem council and go up the road into Syria to a town of Damascus. I mean, he made it his cause. So there are some very zealous defenders I don't know if you want to call it defenders of Torah or haters of Christianity, but some very zealous Jewish fellows who are making it their business to persecute these preachers of the gospel. It's it's intriguing that you point out the connection to Saul, who of course is now this Paul who's on the other side of this. He's he's on he's been on both sides of this yeah. persecution issue. What happens here, I'm, I'm just highlighting and recognizing the persecution is growing at each town. It gets deeper. It gets bigger, partially because as he goes to the next town, the folks who got mad at him in the last town that didn't get to pull off all their plans are following. They are intent. Mm-hmm. We are going to do something about this guy. It is fascinating to me. That it doesn't say the people came from Antioch and Iconium. It's not the Gentiles came, but it is very specifically the Jews came from those towns. So in in each of these towns, you have Jews who believe and Jews who don't. You have Gentiles who believe and Gentiles who don't. But it, it does seem to be that the Gentiles who don't believe, they're not getting so anxious and upset about what Paul's doing that they are leaving town, following him, and trying to hunt him down. But among the Jews, they are. I wonder if that's because... For the Gentiles, 
okay, having another god is, I mean, if you want to add another god into your pantheon, you can. Right. Or if you decide that you're going to follow this god instead of that god, no biggie. We just disagree with you. Leave us alone. And Paul has left us alone, and so they're fine. Whereas with the Jews, it's it's very much an intention. There is one god, and you're claiming this Jesus is god, and you're also claiming we put him to death. We cannot tolerate you going around telling people that. I think that's... Uh that's a good point, and I think there's certainly some of that going on there and being involved with that. The Jews themselves find them, you know, as a, as a community at that time and in these different Roman cities, Roman colonies, they find themselves as, as their own minority because they are so um, monotheistic, okay? And so the Gentiles and the Romans, they, they already looked at them through, you know, <laughs> kind of sideways, and... Uh, Excuse me, where I was going with that was just to say that, yes, Paul is is recasting, showing the fulfillment of that system, that the one true God has now consummated everything in Jesus Christ. This is the way to go. But one of the things the Jews certainly can make clear is that this Christian message is no less monotheistic. Okay, It, 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 is, it is just as much um, a challenge to your pantheon and to religion as you've always known it as anything we've said. And I'm just wondering what sorts of buttons do you push uh, to turn a very receptive, predominantly Gentile town against Paul and Barnabas? I think you would hit on that. I would think you would hit on the idea that, well, listen to what they're saying. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, where does that leave Caesar? What are they really saying? What's Caesar going to do to your town if you go this way? Okay. (laughs) Uh, I, I and obviously speculative, but how do you turn a whole city against them? Well, tying back into what we talked about yesterday with this ancient story of Zeus and Hermes coming into town and then wiping them out because they did not respond properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we again is if we hear your message as we will we will absorb it. We will bring in your God to our pantheon, that's one thing. But as you start to realize, wait a minute, you're telling us we're supposed to turn against this one that I've been told my whole life destroyed our town? I'm not doing that. Mm, yeah. And so now now there were at this town and as at all towns, those who believed among the Jews and the Gentiles. Right. I think what you said earlier was probably one of the most important things that we've actually said in this whole discussion. I want to jump back to that and then move forward with it. And that is, is that when Paul got up, Mm-hmm. The direction he walked was back into town. Mm-hmm. Now, he did not walk back into town and stay there for another month, but he did walk back into town. But then he went to the next town and kept preaching. Yeah. Kept preaching. We don't hear much about what happened there other than at that point he then turns around and heads back through these towns where the persecution had been increasing. That's a great point, that he doesn't find a different road to get back to the home base of Antioch of Syria. And he could have. He could. He could, he could have just made a loop. Yeah. But instead, he goes back. He goes back. And and what we find is that there have been churches now planted there, that the people who had converted it as preaching, they have continued to meet together. They have continued in Christ. And now there's even a work at appointing leadership in these churches. Elders, plural, appointed in each church. As he comes back into these towns, he's got a message for them. And in in my mind, Luke does not reveal to us everything that happened in these conversations. In my mind, I can almost imagine Paul has come back into town and the disciples are thinking, 
What are you doing back? Or what happened to you? He <laughs> looks he looks worse now on the oh, way he, back through. He might. He's been stoned now. <laughs> he, who knows what he looked like here? What, what happened to you? Why are you back? Don't you remember how they treated you? Uh, I mean, I think they're thankful, but shocked and amazed. And Paul's response to that is, look, guys, mm. it is through tribulation that we enter the kingdom. This is something for me that I have to wrap my mind around. Paul is not saying, hey, guys, sometimes on the path to the kingdom, you suffer. Mm-hmm. He actually is saying it is through tribulation that you enter the kingdom. The pathway into the kingdom is a path of tribulation. If I never suffer, I am not on the kingdom path. I get it. We're not in a culture that does persecutes. This, does this get back to you like the what the Lord taught about if they've hated me, how will they treat you, my disciples? Absolutely. You know, darkness hates light and, and Absolutely. all that, John 3. It's not that we are hunting for persecution. It's not that we're trying to rev up persecution. We're not, we're not being jerks to people so that they will react that way. But if... If my approach to Christianity never, ever causes me to suffer at all, I, I'm not on the kingdom pathway because it is through tribulation that we get to the kingdom. It's tribulation that, that grows us, that challenges us, that pushes us. He says that's the path. Again, I'm not saying that we have to go through the exact same persecution. I'm not saying if nobody ever stones me, I'm not on the path. But I do understand that tribulation is the path to the kingdom. Well, I was just thinking that that was one of the things that uh, the Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy about, that all who desire uh, to live godly will suffer persecution. At some level. At some level. Yeah, at some absolutely. level. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the fellows that um, uh, we'll pick up on, on a missionary journey. Uh, but uh, And I just bring that up to say that it is a consistent message, that uh, before this movement of Christianity begins, when the Lord is speaking to his apostles about how they could expect to be treated, well, look how they treated me. Look how they treated your king. You're not going to be better than your king. And I'll tell you that this message had to really uh, truly resonate, uh, because when you tell the people that through many tribulations we, tribulations we enter the kingdom, and they see what you have gone through and what you've even been through recently with the stoning. Now you're talking to them now. Uh, they know it's true. We're pushing our time limit. I do just have, I want to just add this one thing. So please be patient with me for just a moment. But that is so different than the American Christianity message, which has often seemed to be that if you become a Christian, the pathway to the kingdom is, is going to be one of prosperity, health, wealth, and even folks who have pushed away from the health and wealth gospel have almost only kept it at arm's length, acting like the the pathway to the kingdom. I mean, if you you really acted the way the Bible says, you'll have a good job and you'll have a good retirement, you'll have a wonderful family, and it'll be so great. Paul's message is the pathway to the kingdom is suffering and tribulation. I I don't want to make that seem like every day has to be the worst it possibly can. I just want us to get the message that We've got to be willing. If my service for the Lord, if in that I'm never dealing with any of that, I'm probably not on the kingdom path. Uh, And and we've got to keep that in mind. All right. Powerful lesson to learn. I'm sorry. Give us an email. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. And Edwin, why don't you close us out with a word of prayer? God in heaven. uh, Frankly, the message that we've read today is a little bit scary to me. 
It's easy for me to talk about how the pathway to the kingdom is tribulation, but I don't want to go through any of it. And so, Father, I pray that you would give me and Andrew and everyone who is a part of this discussion today the courage and the boldness to stand tall in the face of whatever it is that we suffer, that we would count it all joy when we suffer, and that, Father, we would look to you. We are so thankful for the protection that you provide, for the care, for the love, and especially we are thankful for the salvation we have by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. And it's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.